For those of you that have already heard the sermon, the podcast begins at about 12 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> you guys keep it down. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. My name is Tiffany Keith. I'm the preaching pastor of Heartstrings, Bluegrass, Worship, and Wild Hearts. Welcome to Give God an Inch, where we open ourselves up to God's nudging. I will read one of my sermons, read, not preach, totally different things. What I write and what comes out on Sunday mornings are not the same. After I read the sermon, we are going to take a little bit of time to reflect on it what I said, why, and maybe what hit the cutting room floor. When I returned from my trip to Israel in 2019, there was a congregation member here, Luliwa, that let me know she was going to come with me the next time we went. Of course I was going to go again. Of course she could come with me. The bishop had taken a trip to Israel two years in a row. She had already said she would probably go again. And if I could get seven people, I could go as a host, paid for by the travel company. I was in. And when the bishop announced her next trip, it was not Israel. Instead, it was a Wesley Heritage Tour in England. We were going to go see where the founder of Methodism, John and Charles Wesley, grew up. We were going to go tour the house where little John Wesley grew up. Did you know when he was five? He was pulled from his second-story bedroom window seconds before the blazing roof collapsed. We were going to go to Oxford to explore the area where Charles and John went to school, experimented with a new small group, earned the name Methodist, and tried with all they could to earn God's love by being without sin. Hey, they weren't perfect either. We were going to go see the new room. This is the first building the small groups called Methodists would meet in. It is here you would find some of the earliest Methodist roots and how we love our neighbor. John encouraged the religious society members to offer food and clothing to the poor, run a school for children, arrange visits to the nearby prison, and help the sick by running a free medical dispensary. We were going to walk Altersgate Street, where John Wesley experienced a moment that changed everything, where his heart was strangely warmed, and he understood so clearly that he could never, ever earn God's love because he already had it. God already loved him. God already loves each of us, setting us as individuals and as a movement up to orient ourselves to respond to that love. We get it wrong all the time. But if we aren't headed in that direction, 
where are we headed? We were going to go see where the Wesleys often worshipped and where they lived and where they were buried. I was excited for this trip. It was set for April 2020. The trip did not happen. Have you ever been so excited for something, so focused, moving full on towards it, and then it was gone? I wonder, what was Jesus looking forward to at the beginning of his ministry? When he came up out of the waters of his baptism, was he looking forward to the people he would see, the places he would see? Was he excited, like he was looking forward to a new trip? Or did his heart beat with excitement, like he was getting ready to head out to his first day on the job? Listen now to how Jesus' ministry began. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, and chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. May God bless the reading, hearing, and doing of this word. Have you ever been so excited, dreaming about that first moment, that first step, the next thing, and suddenly your life was interrupted? Every time my son sees a certain truck from a certain company, he uses some certain choice words. I always just assumed it was because they were the rivals of the company he worked for or something. But boy, was I wrong. He had applied for and got a job at that company. He had put his two weeks notice in where he was working at the time. He was pumped for the new job, excited, full on go to the new thing. And they never called him back to let him know when to start. Nothing, not a full stop. You can still hear the disappointment and frustration in his words and the lack of trust he carries with him for that company. I wonder if that is how Jesus felt coming out of the waters of his baptism, excited about his new ministry, hoping beyond hope, destined for this new path, ready to call together the leaders of this new church plant, imagining that first day when he would say, come, follow me. We're starting a new sermon series, Life Interrupted. We are going to spend some time in the Gospel of Luke, looking at some moments, big and small, when Jesus' life was interrupted. We will look at moments like this one, when at the very beginning of his ministry, he was driven out into the wilderness to face temptation and hunger. We will talk about little moments, when the meals he was sharing with friends were interrupted. 
<laughs> the first question I had to ask when I was deciding if I could do this series was, was Jesus' life ever interrupted? It didn't take very long to see that, yes, it was constantly. From becoming a refugee as a child hiding in Egypt, to healing the sick as he entered towns, to friends tearing off the roof to lower their friend to Jesus while he was speaking, to meals interrupted by a woman with anointing oil, to heading to the wilderness instead of beginning his ministry. Jesus' life was not a straight shot from birth to Easter. His life was driven by detours and side paths and interruptions. Life interrupted. And what I know about you and me is that we understand in a whole new way what it is to have our lives interrupted. Just over a year ago, I was walking from my old office to the front desk and I was going through the sanctuary. I said hi to Lorenzo, one of our facilities people, as I passed. He said to me, see you April 11th. Governor Polis just shut down the state. I looked at him like he'd lost his mind. No, we aren't going to do that, I told him. But he was right. The rest of Lent set aside. Easter postponed. The sanctuary silenced. The streets quiet. Where were you when your life was interrupted? What plans did you give up? Did you set travel aside? Did you have to shift goals? Avoid people you couldn't wait to see in meetings that would have gotten things done in classrooms with your friends? How long did it take you to realize that this wasn't for a week or two, but things were changing for a while? When did you realize that we weren't going back to normal, but instead there would be a new normal? Have you realized that yet? I think of Jesus coming out of that water. Water dripping, water dripping, still dripping from his nose, goosebumps on his flesh from the chill of the Jordan, seeing the heavens open up and experience goosebumps from the Holy Spirit resting on him, hearing God's voice claim him as God's own, excited for the ministry he was about to start, the ways in which he could make a difference in the world, and the crushing disappointment to have his dreams postponed as he was led not to the Galilee, but to the wilderness. I can feel the human emotions of shock, doubt, fear, uncertainty, as he heads to temptation. When I think of that moment, standing there in the sanctuary, life suddenly interrupted, I know I do not stand alone. I stand with you. I get it. I know you get it too. Jesus stands with us too. Jesus gets it. We so often look at Jesus and ask ourselves who God is by looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus is loving, so God must be loving. Jesus is forgiving, God must be forgiving. But what if we allow ourselves to look at Jesus just for a moment and believe that God was right there? Water dripping off God's nose. Goosebumps from the chill in the spirit. What if 
we allow ourselves to believe that God in that moment experienced the disappointment and uncertainty of life interrupted. You know what that would mean? It would mean that I get it. I get to stand with you. And I know that you get it too. And Jesus stands with us too. Jesus gets it. It would mean that God stands here by our side, that God gets it too. Amen. Thank you for the sermon, Tiffany. Amen. Uh, before I get to the, the, the bigger themes, I, I want to, it's kind of an in the weeds sort of a question, but it was interesting to me that you, you snuck another sermon in, in an illustration. Um, with, with the opening illustration around um, your trip being canceled, you know, the life of Wesley trip, it, 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 you, you snuck in another sermon around Methodism, right? I mean, sort of the themes that, that mark Methodism, which, which I, I know I do too. Sometimes, sometimes I use a story to, to sort of insert another thought that you, you, you may or may not get it because the story itself moves to where I want the sermon to go, but there's, a, there's an extra added bonus sermon. Did you mean to do that? <clears throat> My sermon is five minutes long without something there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so, I mean, part of it, this is more of a, interestingly, it's more of a blog post than a sermon, and it's still really short with that. So, um, sometimes as preachers, we add details, um, we add details because we need length, um, and it fits, I, I hope that it also builds some of the excitement of the sermon or the anticipation of the trip. Um, But I have to totally admit, I was more excited about the trip writing the sermon than I was when the trip (laughs) was coming. Because so one thing, I don't say this in the sermon and it's really intentional. Um, I had actually personally decided that I could not do the trip about two weeks before it was canceled due to COVID. Um, I just had personal stuff going on at the time. It, it was financially, I don't know, even as a free trip, if I could have afforded it. Um, so, so I, I hadn't really looked at the details, but this time when I went, I'm like, huh, I wonder what that trip was like. I mean, I was excited about it. Don't get me wrong. I was excited. But like when I looked over the details this time, I'm like, oh, I really am like sad. I missed the trip. (laughs) And you'd go again if you had a chance, huh? (laughs) I would totally. (laughs) If I can afford it and I could go, I would so go. Yeah, yeah. My name's Kent Ingram, and I'm pastor at First United Methodist Church, Colorado Springs. And I get to work with my executive pastor, Tiffany Key. Tell us who you are. Uh, Hi, I'm Tiffany. I, I just noticed that going in there is it sort of you, you, you sort of led us down this path of, of Wesley's life experiences grace I mean you know sort of the whole Methodist themes that run through there but the yes. point of the story was to set us up for yeah totally to set you up and it, I mean, it worked you. for that 
can I tell you a secret? Sure. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's not a secret, but a surprise or yeah. a plan. Um, so this fall, I'm pretty sure the, you know, the, after the big fall kick up, kick off, I'm going to go over the history of Methodism. So in some ways that's the next sermon series outline. <laughs> All right. Plant seeds, too. See, that, that was that was a multifunctional introduction to your sermon. I'm, I'm very proud of you for getting, getting a lot of, of, of wear out of one story. Like like Charlie Allen used to say, the same water can turn more than one wheel. So you, you got a mini sermon on Methodism. You got a preview of a series and you got us excited and helped us understand interrupted. So that that's good. Um I think I think that you know we talked about this at, at the at the uh, round table too, but I, I the place that you kept pushing me uh, because of the text that you read was was um, expectations around my ministry. Um, how, how did I perceive my calling? And I know the answer to this, but I want you to say it again in the podcast. I mean, did, did you ever experience? Did your ministry ever come to you as a, as a feeling of being interrupted, or did you even have a dream or, a, or know where you wanted to go or anticipate what it is that you wanted to do? Um, I know you're, you said that's the same question as you asked in the roundtable, but I don't think you just asked it in the same way. And I say that because I have a completely different answer. Okay. Um, it, when I began my ministry, it was extremely unclear um, where my ministry would take me. I, I was clear about that. Like, I know you were clear, like you're going to be a church pastor. You're a preacher. Um, mm-hmm. I was less sure of like, and I said this in the round table, like God wasn't going to show me where I was going to end up. Cause I would have mm-hmm. ran. I tell you, I, I would have ran the, um, I would, I, there's no way with my, my lack of experience and confidence that had I been able to look ahead a decade that I would have stayed in ministry, I I just, it would have been too scary. Mm. Um, So I didn't know. So there's not a whole lot of disappointments as far as like uh, the end was clear and I didn't make it to the end kind of thing. Um, On the other hand, there are so many moments in my ministry that I so wanted something to happen and it didn't. Um, early on, I was, you know, when I was appointed, you know, still half time at the church and I was hoping for like a partnership kind of half time at another church and I didn't get it. And I didn't, and I was so disappointed, Mm. you know, like I did have, so I guess I didn't have like an overarching dream, but there's been a lot of moments along the way that I, that I really did wants or need or you know driven towards something that got interrupted or wasn't yet or you know I didn't have time for well I'm a little surprised and maybe maybe I I dreamed this up I'm old and I remember things that didn't happen I think but but there was a time in which yeah very early on beginning when you when you told me that one of the things you felt called to do was to go to dying churches and help close them yeah. You remember that? You remember telling you that? I do. Now, 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 think about how what you're doing now is the exact opposite of that in almost every way, right? I mean, kind I mean, of. 
kind of. <laughs> let me let me respond to that. I mean, so so one of the so I was you know at that time um, you know I was mentored probably more specifically by Todd Spencer into, into ministry kind of thing. And um, I was meeting with him one day and I talked about, you know, this kind of this paradox of starting new things um, and, and being called to end old things. Mm-hmm. And, and his response was, well, both are the liminal space, mm-hmm. both are the space in between and the work I'm doing right now I have to tell you, feels like both. I, I'm, I'm not doing very good at grieving old things with people, but <laughs> COVID has forced old things to die, mm-hmm. old processes, old ways of doing things, old, you know, um, you know, one of the things, and this is our church, but this is so many, I hear this every day of people just moving on. I bowl with somebody um, who's had 19 staff members move on in the last two months, you know, that have found other jobs. And, you know, you talk to so many people and um, I was reading a Facebook post and, and they were saying, you know, their one, their beloved lay leader was, you know, moving to go be closer with grandchildren. I can't Mm. tell you how many grandparents are like, you know, COVID just made them realize they want to be with their grandkids, not working. Um, And that's the death of relationships that we are, whether we called to it or not walking through. And in the process of that ending, there's new, there's the creating of new things, new processes, new relationships. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's finally what I was going to try to get to is the idea that, that interruptions, um, you know, some of them are painful um, and, 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 you know, they're almost all unexpected. Um, and, and it's, it's hard to tell. It's like, it's like the text that talks about, you know, that we are the vine and God will cut away the dead branches and prune the good ones. Um, it's hard to tell the difference between being cut off and being pruned, right? <laughs> kind, of, kind, of kind of feels the same if you're if you're the branch, you know. And and but my point is is that these interruptions, just from hearing you talk, the interruptions sometimes are painful, and God redeems them. And sometimes maybe God's hand is at work in ways we can't see to to move us to a place that we didn't expect or didn't anticipate. Um, this is, I guess, I guess not all interruptions are even. Does that, does that make sense at all? <laughs> yeah, it does. It so, does, it totally does. But the invitation, no matter the, the interruption is, is to find God's presence or direction in them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And one of the dangers of this podcast is, is that you, you laid out sort of your, your series, um, and, <laughs> We, we don't, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to talk about the series. <laughs> you know, we we'll can talk about, I sort of did in the, in the round table. I'm like, oh, I just like gave away the point of the next six sermons. So <laughs> if people <laughs> don't want to sit through the preaching, they can just, you know. <laughs> the round table, get six sermons in one. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but, but I, I guess, I guess my tendency is to want to stay with the, with the uh, baptism story and, and the bring driven into the wilderness story. Um, and and the, 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 the key word or phrase in that 
was it says lead in, in our translations, but most of the scholars will tell you that the word we translate lead is probably better driven, driven. pushed forth, you know, and, and, and Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the spirit. Um, this this yeah. was not a, uh, the, the, the devil didn't show up till after he got there, right? I mean, the, 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 <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The temptations didn't happen until until he was already there, and, and so that that's a part of the, the struggle I think I have is is uh, trusting that sometimes interruptions, that, that when things don't work out the way I want them to, when they don't go the direction I want them to, that in fact that's the spirit's work. Uh, you think that you think that's true? Have you experienced that in your life? Looking back. I'm trying to think um, the most obvious one that comes to mind first is, you know, I, I was 20, oh man, 27, 28, late 20s, um, dropped my kids off at school. And um, yeah, so, you know, I guess my youngest had to at least be in preschool, maybe five, somewhere between three and five. And um, I came home and laid down for a nap and, and in, in and I, I had this dream where, you know, church people were knocking at my door and I was like, did not, I, I like, I don't want church people knocking on my door. I don't want to talk to church people. Like why would church people knock on my door? So in my dream, I hid under my blanket so they couldn't see me, which is like ridiculous, but you know, dream world. Um, but they knocked anyway and, and knew I was there. And so I, 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 uh, I jumped behind in my dream, jumped behind my bed under the blankets and, um, and they knocked again. And, I, in my dream, peeked out from under, from behind the bed. I peeked out from under the blankets and looked out the window to the one knocking on my door. And I looked him in the eye and I woke up. Mm. And I knew in that moment of waking up that Jesus was knocking. And that was being a ridiculous two-year-old, <laughs> hiding, <laughs> avoiding, and I needed to go to church. Um, mm. That's one of the moments. There, there are more, especially during that period of my life that, I mean, it definitely, you know, <laughs> going into ministry, I knew I was called into ministry. I didn't do anything about it. I was called into ministry, didn't do anything about it. Um, called into ministry didn't know what to do about it and over the series of like two weeks four things happened that mm. were so directly related to being called in the ministry um one of them being i think todd looked at me like we need to talk about this call in the ministry um mm. so i picked up the phone said not i had not graduated with my undergrad degree so i picked up the phone called my old, old college and they're like, Congrat well, we're really glad you called this week because it's just in time to get you into classes that start next week. Mm. So I can wow. finish my undergrad. I finished my undergrad two weeks before I started. Don't tell ILIF. I didn't <laughs> like I started ILIF before <laughs> before I finished my undergrad by like, I don't know, there's like a two week overlap. But um, 
I that felt driven. It didn't yeah. feel led. It didn't feel like my choice. Like both of those felt so like something beyond me driving them. Yeah. And it was an interruption, right? I mean, you, you mom and yeah. The whole time. I was a stay at home soccer mom. I had a competitive, I had a competitive soccer player. I was five days a week at a soccer field for two hours and the soccer field was half an hour away from my house. So it was three hours a day of soccer, five days a week and then games on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, so interrupted life is interrupted. <laughs> interrupted. It was God, God was at work at it. So yeah, that I, I want to shift just a little bit um, more, just an observation, but um just to sort of get your take on it. This, this, you and I have talked over the course of these podcasts and sermon roundtables and sermon writing that we do together. That that there are some sermons that that are better podcasts and some sermons that are better for public speaking. You know, in live in person. You know, sort of telling the story. I, this to me felt like one of the better podcast sermons, just because of the way you use the imagery of, of the water falling, you know, off the face. I mean, there was just a lot of that very graphic um, images that I could see because of the words, you know, it, it wasn't so much because of the story. I mean, the guy stood up out of water, right. You know, but, but, but the way you describe that, the goosebumps, the water and I almost the feel the water dripping exactly, off of his nose. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, that's really more of an observation, anything, but but it felt like this this was a sermon that was written to be written. And and do you think you think you can speak it? It's really funny. I totally think the opposite of this one. Really? I, I yeah. Um, even when I was reading it, I was like, God, this one's not that good. Like, I better <laughs> tell this one well. Um, in fact, and which is funny because I think the first half I need to tell better. The second part, that ending, I think is where it became more more imagery and graphic. Yeah, and- yeah I think that's right too. But but even even then, I mean the 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 way you the way you put together the story of the trip that didn't happen um, mm. was 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 colorful. It, it was it was imaginative. It was not, you know, we were going to go to this place, this place, and this place, right? I mean, you 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 wove into the into the announcement of the of the event these details that I think I think were beautiful and and and, and descriptive and, and helpful. So. I, we, we will see. We can have a poll after the sermon to see if people like the podcast sermon better or the one recorded in the theater better. But um, I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, it's a compliment. I'm just saying that, that I thought there were lots of beautiful mm. images that, that made, they were very vivid for me uh, when I heard you speak. So I, whatever, whatever that's worth. We'll, we, we, <laughs> We'll let the we'll let the congregation decide which is better. You and I don't get to decide that yeah. ever, right? Yeah. Did you know that Charles Wesley bedroom was on the second floor and there was no ladder to get him out of his house? So in order to get him out of the at five years old, somebody like a man stood on another man's shoulders 
and removed him from his window, like from his room, like seconds John. before the roof fell out on him. Yeah, John Wesley. You said Charles, but it was. John oh, I Wesley. met John. Yeah, I know. I know you did. You got it right in the sermon. Um, the, the the phrase that that uh, I think plucked Susanna from his the branding. Yeah, a, a, a brand plucked from the burning. Right? Yeah. He, yeah. You know, he was snatched. Out, I out mean, of the fire. can you imagine had he not made it? Well, yeah, no. Mean, well, we wouldn't be here, right? I mean, I'd be, I don't know what I'd be, Episcopalian. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but like, like, I, he, his, not that all faiths are wrong. Like there's some truth in all of them. There's some wrong in ours. John was not mm -hmm. perfect, <laughs> but we are so central to grace, mm -hmm. not like how to earn the grace. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. The oxymoron of earning grace, but like yeah. the, the, just that path of grace, the words of grace we use. I mean, yeah. it would be so, God would have found another way to make that clear. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, I, and I, yeah, I know enough of your story to hesitate saying this a little bit, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Imagine the other side of that. I mean, imagine being a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old boy and the story you hear is God rescued you moments before the house burned down, which was set on fire by the congregation, by the way. <laughs> if, 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 you ever, if you ever think, if you ever think you've got it hard, remember they never tried to burn house down, house down yet. But, but, but how does that shape? I don't tell them where I live. Yeah, exactly. How does that shape your life for that to be the narrative the time that you're five years old, I mean, when your mother puts you to sleep at night to say, God has something special for you because God rescued you from that fire. I mean, yeah. just, just to believe that. I, I don't know. Don't you think that would shape you somehow? Wow. You know? I mean, there's one is what if we were all told that we were you know, what if we were all told that God had something special in store for mm -hmm. us? And then the other side of that is, what if we were all told God had something special in store for us? Like, I mean, I, it would be a lot of pressure yeah. or it yeah. would be an understanding of who we're made to be. I, uh, will never win father of the year award. I, 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 I was uh, coached through parenting by my wife, who is, is an excellent mother. And I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember if I said this to my son, but almost every night when I tuck my daughter in, you know, I, I would say, God has something special for you to do. And, and, and I would, I would say, you know, you, you are, you are a special person. Why, why is that? And she would always say, because God made me that way. I mean, we used to do that almost every night. Um, and I, why I started that, I don't know where it came from, but you're right. There's, there's, there's something about living into that, that, that shapes who we are. And, and, um, you know, I, 
maybe that that's a good interruption. <laughs> you know, whatever the reality of our life is, if somebody has the courage to tell you, but you, but you are, you you can do what you need to do, whatever you want to do, because you're a child of God. Can you imagine hearing that every day of your life? Mm, that would be so cool. That's yeah. powerful. You've never preached that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I don't. You know. I don't know. I, I I haven't really thought about it that much till now. But uh, you know, just just we're talking about the the interruption of John's mm-hmm. life, but but there was also that other side that. Um, yeah, so, and she yeah. did. You raised a very confident daughter that just understands her life has meaning. Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, what well, we have. I, yeah, you're right. She, <laughs> I, I I take very little credit for that. So, but anyway. So what do you hope, what do you hope happens as a result of the sermon for your congregation? Yeah. I have not preached this one yet. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it ends very well. I think I, I need to play with the ending and, you know, I'm a couple days out still, so that's mm-hmm. not unusual. It's fine. Um, but The more I've played with the sermon, the more I realize what I want it to say. And I don't know that I do. Um, I want it to say that we need to, to heal rather than just fake our way to the next new normal. I want to say that, you know, that that God, that that sanctuary experienced it with me, not from outside of me, from above me, looking down at me, from knowing all things, but, but God experiences those things with us in mm-hmm. in that knowledge gives us for me gives me um a hope i i hope i hope people i guess first of all realize they're not alone like god gets it mm-hmm. um we randomly have i just happen to know this we have a couple of atheists that will be in attendance mm-hmm. this weekend mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, what if this is the first time that instead of hearing that God is above them, judging their actions, that they hear Mm -hmm. that God is, is, is experiencing it with us. Mm -hmm. What if God is not up there judging us or God is up there forgiving us, but what if in Jesus we're told that God is right here with us? Yeah. Yeah, what if what if what if a life gets interrupted by grace, not by judgment or condemnation, but grace? That would be cool. I, I guess what I hope is that people become aware of these interruptions and see God in them, um, either redeeming them or or driving, you know, moving moving people through them. I I, 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 I mean that that's what what when when you talked about the series when when we've talked about the sermon the roundtable whatever that's the place where I keep going was was paying attention to those interruptions 
Um, so I, I hope they see those. So. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where we get to the, at the end of the series, right? So, yeah. but by the end of the series, going from storms and friends taking roofs off buildings to noticing from, you know, being interrupted to us allowing God to interrupt us by seeing me in our midst. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, maybe to welcome them, sure. My name's Kent Ingram, and I'm pastor at First United Methodist Church, Colorado Springs, and I get to work with my executive pastor, Tiffany Key. Tell us who you are. Uh, hi, I'm Tiffany. I guess we should send it back to the band, huh? Love the band. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>